At Fidelity, value is automatic, starting with the rate you can get on your cash when you open a new retail brokerage account. Learn more at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but of course it's to teach and educate. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Yeah, the stock market actually tried to bottom today, but it failed the first time around. We were dragged down by the more powerful bond market. For a late-day bounce, erased a big chunk of those losses. Now only sinking 357 points, S&P falling uh, 0.82%. But more importantly, I think Nasdaq actually managed to advance a basis point, a stunning comeback. But let's not get too carried away. It was still the worst week for the averages since the financial crisis. Now, you got to understand the bond market is bigger than the stock market. We don't talk about it because it's boring. But it is very important to the direction of your portfolio. Everything's wrapped up in bond yields. It always has been. Learned that, I learned that 40 years ago. There are multi-billion dollar programs right now that sell stocks whenever those yields go down. It's formulaic. And they buy, buy stocks whenever the yields go up. And today, those yields went down hard. Benchmark 10-year Treasury got as low as 1.12% late today. We're closing at just 1.16. See, that's a record low level, signaling that the economy is growing weaker, uh, and there's a real fight to quality as investors hide their money in fixed income, coronavirus supply chain. In other words, the bond market's screaming that the coronavirus is far, more, far worse than most people realize. Global commerce will take a real hit, and it might even be something similar to 2008 when all hell broke loose. Now, I can't tell you whether the bond market's right. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I know the market. So let me give you the game plan for next week. Given how this outbreak has played out, it's very likely that there'll be more cases uh, come Monday. There'll be a lot of bad news. It'll be the headlines. I know that. It doesn't matter. It may not affect the stock market as much as you think. But you know what? It could affect the bond yields. we got to watch. If that's the case, the stock market will indeed get dragged down again on Monday. However, that could finally set us up for a snapback rally on Super Tuesday if Joe Biden, liked by the stock market, does better than expected the 15 primaries and caucuses that happened that day. It's looking like Biden could run away with the South Carolina primary tomorrow and that may give him a little momentum. He needs to turn things around on Super Tuesday. But remember, as far as Wall Street's concerned, anything that keeps Bernie Sanders away from the nomination is good news. And no, Wall Street does not feel that if Sanders gets it, it's a shoe in for Trump. They just feel like if Sanders gets it, it's dangerous. Okay, so if we get an all-encompassing down day on Monday with more coronavirus clusters, more sick people, maybe a world leader or a celebrity getting sick, that might get us to the point where the market's totally oversold, even more than it is now. And that would create some buying opportunities that are a little more lasting. If you don't have any cash on the sidelines, stay tuned. I'll tell you exactly what's still worth selling, and there are particularly after today's bounce, uh, at some levels to raise capital. Now, there's not much in the way of earnings on Monday uh, other than Tilray. Remember those guys? That's Canadian cannabis coming. The whole ganja group's been put through the meat grinder. Tilray's in particular a nightmare. Stock was briefly at $200 in 2018. Now it's 14 I think a respiratory pandemic may be bad for business, but let's see what they have to say. Tuesday's retail day. So uh, prepare to be underwhelmed because this is not the environment for retail. We hear from Target, and their holiday season was a severe disappointment. Will this number show a change? 
tough to tell. You know, they have a lot, of, a lot of private label clothes that are made in China. That could cause a problem. Hey, speaking of disappointment, uh, that's what I expect from Kohl's, serial disappointment. Always the possibility that it won't be a disaster. We could get a big move. Wouldn't that be something? Then there's raw stores, the off-price chain. Well, that could be a bright spot, because remember what I said. You're either online or you're off-price. I bet it can hang in there, because these off-price chains tend to thrive in a weaker economy, and the bond market says that's what we're headed for. I like tech. Look at the software as a service stocks, because they have real growth no matter what. We're going to hear from one of my favorites. It's going to be the big tell for the week. It's called Viva Systems, where the... Uh, Make, they make software for the pharma, biotech, and life sciences industry. If even rallies, you can expect it to breathe new life into the whole cloud cohort, not that it did so bad today. See, Workday, the cloud stocks have been acting terribly until today, uh, and many of them had excellent numbers. Maybe they can continue to go up if Viva does well. Finally, Chevron has an analyst meeting on Tuesday. And let me tell you something. As my uh, late mom would say, this group's from hunger. On top of the fact that the price of crude has been hammered to $45, more and more money managers are turning against fossil fuels. Universities are divesting stocks. By the way, it's not just young people worried about climate. It's at BlackRock, uh, $7 trillion, largest asset manager on Earth. Maybe there's someone bigger overseas. Hey, Wednesday morning we hear from Dollar Tree, and their last quarter wasn't up to snuff, and I was disappointed. I'm not sure they can turn things around in three months. Hey, how about Campbell's Soup? This is interesting, right? Are people stocking up to prepare for the inevitable, as I was uh, and my wife was yesterday? Canned soup makes a ton of sense if the coronavirus becomes a full-blown pandemic. So I think their outlook should be bullish. It's not that well-run, but the new guy's better than it used to be. Um, from there, uh, Brown Foreman, the liquor company you know as Jack Daniels. Hey, you know what? That might be a tonic that helps people navigate the newfound volatility. After the close, uh, we got a couple of really good ones. We got Spunk and we got Zoom. Uh, Spunk's a fantastic cloud-based analytics and cybersecurity play with a consistent track record. Uh, Zoom is a video conferencing software outfit that's become the hottest stock in this market because they make it easier to work from home. I love Zoom, but I will tell you to wait for a pullback. And, hey, you finally got a big one. Uh, boom. All right. Uh, this one is probably my favorite next week. Uh, let's put it this way, if it goes down by it. Thursday morning, Kroger reports, Warren Buffett recently took a big position in the supermarket chain. I have no idea why. It didn't seem like he did either because he's got a lot of fund managers underneath him. Next up, few companies are as reliable as Burlington Stores. That's the old Burlington Coat Factory. This is another terrific off-price chain. I got one in Brooklyn. It's really kind of interesting. I bet the numbers will be excellent. After the close, we hear from Costco, one of the most reliable companies out there. I expect great results. More important, I think you might get a solid outlook. Remember that when we went out there in Washington? Hey, you want reliable tech? How about Kramer Family Fave Okta, the digital security firm run by Todd McKinnon that reports after the close, I expect good things. What a secular grower that is. We also have analyst meetings from AMD and Teladoc. AMD is up very big today. Now, the former has been, had been, one of the hottest of the hot chips until we uh, learned it might be in a dogfight with a renewed and resurgent Intel on some new processors. I think Teladoc's become the preferred way that hospitals diagnose people by video chat, which seems like a good fit in this environment. We got an Exxon meeting. Yep, just like we had the Chevron. Exxon yields uh, nearly 7%. That's astounding. Exxon was always viewed as the king of the energy space, best balance sheet. Nobody cares anymore. Remember, Wall Street keeps turning against the fossil fuels. Younger money managers believe this is a doomed industry. Incredible. When you have teen- teenagers and then they're in their 20s uh, and they don't like this group and they're doing the, the junior work, 
at these hedge funds and big funds. They don't like them. Finally, on Friday, we get the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. And if it shows any spike in unemployment, we could have another meltdown on our hands. I don't think that'll happen. Unemployment tends to be lagging indicator. But if it does, you should be ready to be, to be able to, you know, I told you, have that cash. You might want to buy into that sell-off. Still, if a lot of companies are already cutting back because of the virus, that will be visible in the numbers. Bottom line, get ready for another rough day on Monday. Because I expect more COVID-19 shoes to drop this weekend. And I know I was uh, happy that I said buy it during Squawk on the Street and had a nice rally. But I'm realistic. It's just a nice rally. Uh, you got to be ready for a snapback real thing, though, if we keep getting so negative. Brian in Florida. Brian. Mr. Kramer, good evening. Good evening to you. I need a coaching session on DuPont. Will uh, demand for protective apparel add points to the board, or should we DuPont this one? Uh, but there's nothing there. Uh, that's one of there are many businesses that that company has, and almost all of them are, are not working right now. It only yields 2.8 percent. I'm glad that Ed Breen came back. He's a terrific CEO. But we need to see that stock, believe it or not, lower. And it'll probably get there. Hey, how about we go to Umar in New Jersey? Umar. Hi, how are you, sir? I am doing well. How about you? I'm good, thank you. Hopefully you can help me out with sure. this. Um, Unfortunately, I got into Tesla at its all-time high at 914 is my average 94 stocks, losing 22 right now. Right. So I need your advice as to what to do. All right. Well, <laughs> so remember, we don't care where stocks, we don't care where stocks uh, uh, came from. We care where they're going to. Uh, obviously, your basis is, is a corrupted basis, but I think that the stock at 600 is a buy, and then maybe you buy some at 400. You got to work that basis down. That's what we do for the ActionAlertsPlus.com club when we uh, get in a little. This, we're too a little too enthusiastic. I don't want you to fret. I think you'll be fine. Ken in New Jersey, Ken. Hey Jim, what's your long-term outlook on 3M given the recent uh, low stock price? I'm worried about PFAS. I'm worried about PFAS, meaning I'm worried about groundwater. I'm worried about their exposure to China. I'm worried about what they have uh, in healthcare that's not doing that well. As a matter of fact, candidly, other than the mass business, I'm worried about every business 3M has. All right. I'm expecting Monday to be another down day. We've got to prepare for it. Uh, then we can rally. Man, buddy, tonight, can we separate Clean Harbor's moves lower this week from the overall market carnage? Or will pressure on oil continue to drive that one lower? And is that right? Is that correlation correct? I've got the CEO of the Hazardous Waste Management Company. We'll answer that question. And stocks just had the worst week since the financial crisis. Why I'm putting my money to work today and what I'm shopping for next week and what I'm selling. That's for the trust, of course. And as global growth slows due to coronavirus concerns, is it time to circle back to the cloud stocks? I'm eyeing one of the best. Simple team at last year to see if it could maybe be worth buying. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. We are trying to make sense of things for you here tonight in the face of this incredibly difficult but panicky tape. I like to buy hysteria, not sell it. I like to buy panic, not sell it. We don't advocate panic because it's not a strategy. There are two kinds of companies in the blast zone. The ones that are at risk 
and the ones that are really at risk. What bounces best? That's what you must be thinking about at this point. What a day. We have your back and we'll get through this together. At Fidelity, we work to get you a better price for every trade. See how much we saved investors last year at fidelity.com slash price improvement. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC. The stock's having their worst week since the financial crisis, and every day this week bring a continuing sinking of the averages. It pays been especially tough for companies that need a strong economy to really thrive. Take Clean Harbor CLH. It's the leading player in the hazardous waste disposal business. Here's a stock that's given you some phenomenal gains over the past couple of years. It's been one of our favorites because in addition to helping put things back together after natural disasters, they also help industrial companies and energy producers with environmental cleanup. However, it has been a very bad week for Clean Harbors. Stock's down 21% from its highs, in part because the whole market's rolling over, and in part because they reported Wednesday morning, and the numbers were a little a tad off. The company posted a top and bottom line miss. Management's full-year guidance was merely okay. That's not good enough in a market that's looking for any excuse to sell. But man, a 21% pullback? Come on! After this route, I gotta wonder if Clean Harbors is starting to become more attractive, especially because there's a sustainability angle here. So let's check in with Alan McKim. He's the chairman and CEO of Clean Harbors. Find out more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. McKim, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, great to be with you again, Jim. Thank you. All right, Alan, I know your company. Your company is not a uh, wildly cyclical company. It's a secular grower, particularly at times where there are people who are worried about things being clean, and we know that's every day now. On the conference call, the analysts all seem to take a, an angle that you have just a few projects, and it's all cyclical. What's happened here? You know, Jim, uh, we had a great fourth quarter. We, we came into the year uh, you know, with a real strong performance. Uh, we had a, a great year in 2019 and really have a good year ahead of us. Uh, and so... Um, I think certainly we saw some uh, declines in the price of base oil, which as we refine our oil and we make a base oil, uh, we saw a price decline come out uh, that morning. And I think that probably had some contribution to this. And then certainly the whole downdraft of what's going on in the market. Uh, well, but, was, you know, certainly clean. I was worried about safety clean with a plus two percent. Is that because of the differential? Uh, I think a little bit. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, the price of oil actually started coming back up again. And uh, with IMO 2020, we actually saw uh, the price of oil actually go up. And, and so as we manage our spread, uh, you will see, you know, sometimes a little decline on the safe clean revenue side on the waste oil side of our business. But our base oil business actually uh, it actually grows. And so uh, this price decline that took place in February was uh, quite a significant uh, impact to us, I think. And uh, that's where the market probably got uh, spooked by it. Yeah, and there uh, you mentioned a particular kind of uh, change in when you mentioned IMO. I, I would, I just want you, you're pretty granular. Can you explain for a second about that, uh, the 2020 rules? Yeah, certainly. Uh, the, the, all the ships, you know, over 55,000 ships in the, uh, in the world are supposed to be shifting over to a half percent sulfur oil from a three percent sulfur oil. And that really goes into effect of March of this year. And so we really saw a big decline in the value of high sulfur fuel oil. And that's really where uh, we uh, send our, our surplus oil. And so we, we really right. felt like we were going to be able to collect more of that used motor oil, refine more of it, 
and actually be able to charge more for it because the value of the oil is really oversupplied because of that change. And on the other hand, uh, base oil is continuing to increase in value uh, because more and more of the uh, refined products are going to be, you know, going towards marine diesel oil to meet that half percent sulfur. So that all played out very well for us in January, and we saw all that positive effect. But I think with this uh, crisis going on now with the coronavirus, it's really kind of put a halt on what's going on with IMO 2020 right now. Right. And I did want to get to, uh, that is a very important business and safety cleans important. But you've got another business. I've spent a lot of time uh, studying a couple of companies, DuPont and 3M uh, and PFAS. Uh, this is such a huge issue. Uh, it's right up your alley. Can anyone else even handle PFAS besides clean harbors? You know, I think we're really well positioned. Uh, we're waiting for the regulatory framework to be formed so that we can really kind of go out and uh, help those customers with those PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals that you're hearing about now that need to be properly disposed of. But, you know, we've got the largest network of incinerators in North America where we've been expanding those uh, facilities. We've added new capacity. We put a brand new $130 million plant in uh, down in El Dorado, Arkansas. So, um, you know, our, our environmental business is really uh, strong right now, and uh, we anticipate it to be uh, continue to be strong throughout 2020. Now, are you surprised at all, uh, as I am, that even though the president is allegedly violently uh, anti-regulation, your industry's regulation has only increased this whole time? It really has, and I think that we're going to continue to see, um, you know, more business coming into our network uh, as we see captive incinerators continue to wind down and the chemical industry to continue to grow. Uh, we, you know, we're just seeing a lot of strong volume coming out of, uh, you know, the renaissance here in the United States with manufacturing and, and chemical production. And I think the low price of natural gas has really stimulated a lot of that development. Are you fearful at all that with the low price of natural gas uh, and the possibility that, that the government might worry about flaring or the industry could be worried about flaring, so what does the environment, that the lower price of oil uh, it, combined with the uh, oversaturation of capital in the Permian is going to make it that perhaps that area is softer uh, and uh, would that hurt your business? I don't think it's going to hurt our business. I mean, uh, w when we look at the oil that we collect, we're the largest collector of uh, waste oil in North America, almost 250 million gallons. Okay. And, and so taking that oil and picking that oil up and charging customers to base, basically take that hazardous waste away and then re-refine it and recycle it, that whole sustainability uh, effort that we have, customers are really buying into that and buying our refi uh, refined product back. So I, I don't think what's going on with the drill count, drilling rig count out there or anything like that is really having any impact at all on our our uh, recycling business. Okay, good. So you are a definite ESG player. Uh, let me just ask you one last question. I think you've got some dangerous work that you do, and it's a little more dangerous than people realize. And you don't know it until you get in it and have to do it and maybe get stuck in it. I saw this program where you did that in the undercover well, boss. Yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to... Uh, work with my employees again back in the field, which is really where my roots were. But, you know, Clean Harbors uh, back during 9-11 uh, cleaned up all the anthrax that happened uh, in all the news and in the post office. And, and we, you know, we're called upon to handle these kind of emergencies. And so uh, the men and women of, of Clean Harbors are ready to respond to any kind of uh, event out there. And I think, um, 
you know, being out there and working with them in the field and hearing them firsthand was just a tremendous experience for me. Well, you were, uh, I think, an inspiration to a lot of people because you did get in to where it is deep and dirty, and you did a good job. And I want to thank you, Alan McKim, Chairman and CEO of Clean Harbors, which is not a cyclical company. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. I, I wish I could tell you to read the Q&A and, and you would feel better, but the analysts have wrongly, correct, uh, wrongly pegged this company. I think they're just too young and don't understand. Mid Money's back after the break. We are trying to make sense of things for you here tonight in the face of this incredibly difficult but panicky tape. I like to buy hysteria, not sell it. I like to buy panic, not sell it. We don't advocate panic because it's not a strategy. There are two kinds of companies in the blast zone. The ones that are at risk and the ones that are really at risk. What bounces best? That's what you must be thinking about at this point. What a day. We have your back and we'll get through this together. know where the market will finally bottom? Honestly, no idea. This is a biological crisis, not a financial crisis. I'm not a doctor or a public health expert, so I have no ability to really make the call. You know what I know, though? I know the stock market, and it tends to react to this kind of thing in some significant and familiar patterns for me. I know what you can buy and what you can sell. Doing it for 40 years. Should have learned something. First off, many of you, unfortunately, are out of cash. You're riding around with a full plate of stock. You need cash here. We put some money to work today for the Travel Trust because we hadn't touched any of the capital we had socked away when we went into this week. We waited and waited and waited before we pulled the trigger, and now the market's come down enough that we have no choice but to start buying, just like you had no choice to start, to start selling when it kept going higher. The buys look pressure, at least momentarily, not taking credit, could get walloped Monday. We've had back-to-back days, though, where 10 times as many stocks were falling versus going up. And that is highly unusual. It suggests we're getting closer to a bottom. That's a crescendo sell, as, as uh, my late friend Mark Haynes used to call it. Though we probably may not be there yet. We could have more of a crescendo. It always, always seems to happen in the real bad ones. We can expect more bad days, and uh, this weekend's probably going to be terrible. It's, it's a coronavirus outbreak, and it continues to spread. We might even see a world leader get sick, and that would be disconcerting. How about if a world leader died? But this is the time to high-grade your portfolio regardless I want you to take some losses and move to better stocks. If you own shares in a company that's involved in travel or leisure or autos or housing even, that company will probably miss its numbers, and the stock will indeed get hammered. I know these groups have already been crushed. That doesn't mean they can't get crushed some more. They should be sold. Many bounce today. Opportunity. Once you've raised some cash, what do you do with it? Well, you've got to keep some on the sidelines to so be ready for the next leg down if there's more bad news about the virus. And you know what? Obviously, there will be. But the rest, well, you can put it in some gold stocks. Oh, they've been crushed. They got really ugly today. Here I'm thinking about Barrick Gold, run by Doc Mark, Dr. Mark Bristow. He's the best gold miner there is. Got slaughtered. Perfect. You don't want a golf one, though. Too many bad ones. What else? You got to swap out of a hotel or cruise name. The cruise name's Bounce today. So you use that bounce and you move into high-quality drug stocks, like a couple that, uh, that, w, that the ActionLearnsPlus.com club recommends. Abby, Abbott Labs, they really got, they got crushed. It shouldn't have. Consider the better run food and beverage plays like Coca-Cola, which reported an excellent quarter. This whole group went down today. If you own an oil stock, I can't help you. The whole group is cursed. 
especially with the price of crude at 45. Uh, don't try to be a hero there in the oil patch. Just cut your losses. I know a lot of you were attracted to 7% uh, Exxon yield. God love you. I'd much rather own a supermarket staple or biotech. And by the way, Moderna, Moderna for example, uh, says they've already got a, a corona vaccine, all right? It's ready to go. Before Dr. Tony Fauci, the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and a brilliant man, was silenced by the president, he seemed optimistic that that vaccine could work faster than people think, faster than he thought even a month ago. What else? Stay-at-home place. Zoom, uh, Etsy, Shopify. Don't forget Teladoc, Ring Central. And if you want some yield, I like Verizon and I like ATT. Uh, the latter's a new one for me. May turn out to be a gift. I'm confident ATT can maintain its dividend because its cash flow is excellent. It's fallen way too far. Verizon's among the steadiest stocks out there. Pick one, buy one. No matter what, though, I'm urging you to have a lot of cash on the sidelines and put money to work gradually because there will be many more bad stories. You buy slowly in stages. Next week is stage one. There will be more stages, likely at lower levels. Maybe you missed the bottom today. It could be revisited. And again, if you don't have that cash, sell something like on that blast we had this afternoon. Why? Because I think you won't have the cash to make good, not trades, but investments when this is almost over. Angela in New York. Angela. Hi, Jim. I'm calling about Starwood Property Trust. I know the stock's been going down, but with a dividend yield of approximately 7.9%, is this still a good buy? I think Barry Sternlich is a very smart man. And he saw a lot of this coming. Uh, and the answer is absolutely. Uh, I, of course, want Barry to come back, come back on because he's so good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that decline seemed to be unwarranted. And I think that he's seen it all. He's an old timer. He knows what to do. This is the time to high grade your portfolio, people, especially into that bounce we got this afternoon. But still keep some cash for next week because we know there'll be a lot of unexpected negatives. All right, much more man money ahead. As companies continue to sell first and ask questions later, is it worth eyeing the clouds for potential buying opportunities? I'm talking with a brilliant company, Alprince Atlassian, a simple team to see what's ahead. And before the coronavirus outbreak started taking up all the oxygen in the, in the market and the room, one of the most exciting teams I spotted was the sudden embrace of sustainability. I'm eyeing one of the companies that was set to be a top beneficiary of the trend. And after another dark day on the averages, I'm taking all your questions to tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. It was a real Texas chainsaw massacre this week. Largest sell-off of stocks since the financial crisis. So what kind of stocks can we safely start picking at in weakness? I like to look at companies in growth industries that should be relatively immune to the virus and that have recently had great numbers. Companies like Atlassian, the cloud-based collaboration software play that helps other software developers work together. This company, one of our cloud princesses, reported a blowout quarter last month. But in the last week or so, as stocks pulled back roughly 7% from its recent highs. On par. Atlassian's been a fabulous long-term performer, though, and sooner or later, I bet it bounces back. We've liked it for a long time. That doesn't mean it's going to bounce back immediately. Now, earlier this week, we had a real chance to speak to Mike Cannon-Brooks, the co-founder and co-CEO of a company that does best remotely. I'm talking about Atlassian. Take a look. All right, Mike, this is a blowout quarter. I'm getting used to that, frankly, because you keep doing it. 37% 37% growth, 164,000 clients now. What are they doing with you that makes it so that you're more efficient than what they were using before? Um, great question, Jim, and thanks for the, for the nice words. Uh, 
Look, I mean, we, we continue to solve uh, people's team collaboration needs. So business is increasingly about solving human problems, people mm-hmm. in workplaces solving incredibly complex problems together. Um, and across our family of products, that's, that's fundamentally what we do is we help businesses solve very complex people problems in terms of collaboration or projects, other things. The more of those problems they have, the more of our software they're, they're going to need. There's a great uh, presentation on your website by ANC Bank, the largest bank in there. And one of the themes is that you are power to the people. What power are you bringing to the people? Um, I mean, it, it's as I've said. I mean, they're uh, a, a, lo- a very large bank going through a high uh, degree of transformation as they try to become much more digital. Um, and they've put us at the center of their stack for transforming a... Uh, you know, tens of thousands of employees and how they work in every every department of the bank. It seems like when you go through, people say, well, hold it. That's isn't that what Slack does? I say, no, they're not Slack. Those people say, well, isn't that what Excel does? And I think that you certainly are superior to that product. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Excel is very useful. It's a great product. Right. Um, I think Excel is a good example of a product that's been used for far too many things. Right? Right. You can use it to do anything. Right. Uh, we're building tailor-made products to map to processes and collaborative flows, workflows within organizations, which Excel wasn't, wasn't intended to do. Right. Right? If you're doing finance and accounting work, maybe, maybe stick with Excel. Um, yeah, people know Lululemon, uh, and they probably were trying to figure out, okay, listen, I don't know A and Z, but Lulu uh, uses you, so sure. tell us how they do that. What do they use it for? Um, so they use for teams across their organization uh, through... Uh, the technology sides of the business, so software and IT in terms of building new technology, which powers even a, a clothing company like Lululemon is powered by technology at some level. Um, and then and then cross-border collaboration in, in different departments in the, in the business. Visa does same cross-border? Yep. Visa uses us uh, globally in lots of different Square, scenarios. which I think is one of the most technologically inclined companies on Earth and just reported a terrific quarter, has also decided to use you. Yes. I believe Square has been a customer since they had maybe 10 or 20 employees. And Adobe. Yep. So, I mean, why are sometimes I feel like you're the software company that that people don't know. Now, is that because you're not promotional? And I know you're not because even on your website, you're not promotional. You just you just tell the facts. Or is it because you're you're down under? Um, look, I think we're just pretty straight up with our customers, right? We spend most of our time trying to solve ever more uh, and increasingly complex and large problems right. for the customers. And we've always believed if we solve problems from them, they'll. Uh, Tell a friend, and they'll they'll buy some more software the following year, and, and that will end up in a good outcome for for us and the shareholders. Uh, and now I figure that the people who could use the most technically inclined uh, could use anybody is NASA. Now NASA is not obviously an Australian company; it's American company. NASA has chosen you. Yep, yep. NASA. We have a famous bit of an older story now, but the Mars Curiosity. Every line of code went through our uh, applications, some of our applications at some point. So we've kind of helped in a very small way send things to Mars, which. Uh, was pretty cool in the early days of the company. Okay, uh, one of the things that I like about you guys, candidly, is you are a one-one-one company. How did you become a one-one-one company? And tell people what that means. Uh, sure. So uh, we uh, have had a foundation for an awful long time in terms of corporate social responsibility, and specifically philanthropic contributing to communities around us. Mm-hmm. Um, with Salesforce um, a few years ago now, we formalized that into what's called the Pledge One Percent Foundation. So we're an example company, uh, but anyone can join. And so as a company, we give 1% of profits uh, to the foundation. It gets 1% of employee time uh, and has 1% of equity in the business. So the uh, foundation's done, done really well as well. Are you uh, doing that at all to help the terrible fires that you had in Australia? 
Uh, I don't know if the Alassian Foundation has done anything specifically with fires. No, that's not true. No, we no? did. We did. We uh, we made a the Alassian Foundation made a one million dollar donation to the I don't, fire I, support. I don't know. I, I I don't know, Mike. If people know how big it, it was down it there, it was uh, it was vast, very impactful for sure. And then you uh, besides just Salesforce, also uh, with Amazon again, another company you can use anybody they use you. Yes. Yep. We have a lot of lot of fantastic customers using us uh, to power their. Work management, the digital workflows as they uh, as they transform. Now, are you ever worried that uh, someone? You know, we always hear ServiceNow they want to do workflow management. Are you worried that one day uh, a ServiceNow, which now, by the way, has uh, uh, Bill McDermott, who, who's quite a player, uh, is, is he going to come after Atlassian? Uh, Bill's a good guy. Uh, look, you know Bill well. too. All right. <laughs> um, look, we, we're we're in slightly different sides of the market. Um, we certainly. Uh, intersect a little bit in the IT space. We're right. increasingly uh, focused on that space and have some fantastic offerings there. We obviously have a vastly different business model than they right. do. Uh, so from the point right. of view of how we would be found by a company and a customer and how we would grow within that customer, it would be in a vastly different way from a, um, a business model point of view, right. but also from a profitability and that returns okay. to our shareholders. One last question. Most companies obviously are being hurt by coronavirus. Uh, if I want to work at home, I want my Zoom video, and I presume to be want my Atlassian. I want to be part of the team, T-A-M. You're a company that most likely in, of the tech world, but that might not be hurt by this terrible virus. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's obviously going to become a worldwide thing if it's not already, and we'll, we'll obviously see what, what happens. Um, for sure, from a customer point of view, our software allows people to work digitally, I would say. Now, if that's in a building or working from home, if you're using our applications, you have to change your work style. Um, so I think that's going to help us. Uh, from a business model point of view, um, our business model is very stable. We sell very large numbers of very small transactions. Right. Um, so historically, we've, we've had a very stable business model. Um, and, and from the point of view of a few people have asked about China, we, right. we, we have very small, right. like, no meaningful exposure to China in terms of the customer base. So, look, we'll see what's happening. Most of our focus internally has been on employees and, and managing travel. We have a large global company and right. making sure that we don't have any employees in China. People are smart and we're following all the advice. Well, excellent. I know people talk too much about Zoom. I love Zoom, but maybe they should be thinking about Atlassian, too, after that remarkable quarter and the many years that yeah. you've had. Zoom's, really a, Zoom's a good partner of us. I knew they are. Zoom is a very good partner of yours. Okay, that's Mike Cannon-Brooks, co-founder and co-CEO of Atlassian, and I've always loved their symbol, T-E-A-M-T. Thank you, sir. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, time for the lightning round. We're starting with Hassan in New York. Hassan. Hey, Jim. Booyah. We all need a good booyah after this week, don't we? Why not? My stock is Baxter International, B-A-X. What are your... Dan Corner. Uh, like the company, though. And as it's come down... I think it's a buy. I was surprised how weak the quarter was, though. Let's go to Vincent in Pennsylvania. Vincent. Hey, Jim. How are you doing tonight? I couldn't be better. Looking, Thank you. I'm about uh, to go look, away. What's up? Uh, hey, looking uh, for your thoughts on Parsons. Cybersecurity. I like. Proof point a little better, but I think you got a good one there. How about we go to Chris in Florida? Chris. Booyah, Jim. I got a question about AIMT, Immune Therapeutics. They just had an FDA approval with their peanut allergy treatment. I know, but that's now, you know, 
look, I'm not saying this is a what have you done for me lately business, but that was their thing. And then it's uh, when you get something like that and they get the approval, they almost always sell off. I did a paper once. Let's go to Bruce, uh, Bruce in New York. Bruce. Jimmy Chell. You bet. Bruce from New York. How's it going? Well, you know what? My daughter shut me down today. She said, enough, enough with the chill. You got to wait till the end of the day. So I came back with a vengeance. What's up? Yeah, as you should. Well, Jim, I need your help, Jim. Okay. Bill Gates and David Shaw, my company's two largest investors. The IPO is just February 26th. I paid 26.30. Schrodinger, SDG. Yeah, I've been watching that one. That's a kind of an interesting situation. I kind of like it. Um, you know, uh, computer programming, we got to do more work on it uh, because it's not unknown. But I've been watching it all week, and we'll come back to you. Dominic in California, Dominic. And my grandson has a question for you. Sure. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. I'm a 14-year-old investor. Right now, my portfolio is pretty tech-heavy, and I'm wondering if you think I should add Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's company, Berkshire Hathaway, to my portfolio for less risk. It's been a, uh, what, I hate to say it, but it's been a bit of an underperformer. But I'm never going to go against Warren, and I think your time frame is going to be right. And uh, it's a pretty ugly chart. But go ahead, do that. And I really, you know, 14-year-olds getting in, that is the way of the future. I love it. Let's go to Steve in Wisconsin. Steve. Hey, Jim, long-time listener. Uh, envy your energy and appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, got a few shares of MIC. What? Yeah, I mean, M-I-C-K-U-I. I, you know, I, I do think that Macquarie's good company. I, when I see that yield, it does worry me, but I know it's a very well, well-run business. And that lays up the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Before the coronavirus outbreak triggered a market-wide meltdown, the Dow dropping 12% this week alone. The big story was the rise of ESG investing, and that's environmental, social, and corporate governance you know we believe in on this show passionately. After decades of ignoring this stuff, Wall Street suddenly seems to care about sustainability. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And that's why we're on the hunt for companies that can benefit from this new theme. Companies like Hannon Armstrong, Sustainable Infrastructure Capital. It's H-A-S-I for you home gamers. This is a real estate investment trust that invests in energy efficiency, renewables, and other sustainable infrastructure projects. The idea is pretty simple. If you believe climate change will be a global catastrophe, like I do, then anything that fights climate change will probably be a good long-term investment. And hey, it's increasingly looking like that. Over the past five years, Hannon Armstrong has given you an average annual return of 25%, trouncing the 12% average return from the S&P 500 over that exact same period, and absolutely crushing the energy stocks. So does this stock make sense in a tumultuous market? Let's take a closer look with Jeff Eckel. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Hannon Armstrong Sustainable Infrastructure Capital. Get a better read on Wall Street's newfound embrace of sustainability and what it means for business. Mr. Eckel, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Okay, so, Jeb, we had uh, Etsy on yesterday, and Etsy said, you know what? We've been doing some stuff for the environment. It turns out to be good business. The narrative, though, is that when you try to do sustainable investing, uh, it generally goes like this. It's noble, but at the end of the day, the returns aren't that good. That's wrong, isn't it? It's certainly inconsistent with our investment thesis. We think in a world increasingly defined by climate change, We're going to make better risk-adjusted returns investing on the climate change line. And there's some uh, detail into our investment thesis. Seven years into it as a public company, 
we're doing a, a very, very good job of proving that. Now, um, three a dynamic pipeline uh, behind the meter, grid connected, sustainable infrastructure. Can you just give us some samples of all those? Sure. Well, first, let's say we're the first public company to invest solely in climate change solutions. And for us, that means it reduces carbon or it makes communities more resilient. Right. So in that context, things that reduce carbon, energy efficiency, wind, solar. Things that make communities more resilient, stormwater remediation. Uh, uh, evacuating water when you have 100-year storms every, every few years. Okay, you're the man I need to ask this to. I think there's something going on in the financial world that the carbon stocks are doing so poorly. And I think it's exactly what you said. When you talked about if you can reduce carbon, if you increase carbon, younger money managers, they're not going to buy your stock, are they? Uh, I'll speak for our investors. It is a, um, uh, a group that is very focused on making money, not getting a uh, subsidized return, not uh, uh, doing anything but making money. Okay. We get asked those good, hard questions all the time. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, Exxon had a 7% yield today. Exxon was once the premier company in this country. It was one of the top five companies, uh, largest companies, even recently as 10 years ago. But that is counter to what you do, if, and yet you still give a good yield. Absolutely. Well, when I look at this, I'm trying to figure out why, uh, who are still doing these projects in an era where President Trump doesn't care about these things and likes coal. You know, financial markets are quite different than politics, and we're a 40-year-old company. We've seen a lot of things come and go in terms of the politics and policies of climate change. We have 20-year, 25-, 30-year uh, year assets. These are going to be multiple administrations. We invest in a, uh, in a way that doesn't require supportive federal policy. If we want to fix climate change, that would be terrific to have some uh, supportive policies like a carbon dividend. But otherwise, our business is economic. It's making people money. When we make an investment, it saves the user of energy money. All right, so is that how you did, uh, I mean, you're at average 25% versus 12%. Uh, that must mean to me that you have a consistent pipeline, uh, that every year there's uh, more and more business, or else we would be concerned that that is, uh, that, 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 that is a return that's one off. So if you think of the trans, if you look at investing in the energy sector, the transport sector, and the agriculture sector, and you look at it through a lens of climate change, mm -hmm. This is the largest investment opportunity imaginable. These are three outstandingly um, old traditional industries that are getting changed and disrupted because of climate change. So this is a terrific market to invest in. We love that Microsoft wants to put a billion and Bezos wants to put in 10 billion. Not for nothing, we did a billion three last year and right. uh, two and a half billion in the last two. Drops in the bucket for the amount of capital required. Well, um, all right, let me play devil's advocate. Popular president. Uh, one. Completely disagrees with you. Thinks there is no such thing as climate change. Younger people reading text, maybe. There's no such thing as climate change. How do you deal with that? Our investment thesis is based in statistics, physics, and economics. You don't have to believe in climate change to believe our investment thesis. It's that simple. Right. And that if, therefore, what, an outfit like BlackRock seven trillion when they say listen we should care about climate change that's good for you oh it's absolutely brought a tremendous amount of focus and discussion in the equity sectors to 
what we consider the essential issue of our time, climate change. Talking about a fundamental reshaping of finance, though, I think there's three things that have to happen. The first is that Wall Street banks and asset managers have to ask a simple question. Is this investment uh, accelerating climate change or slowing it? The second thing is they need to publicly disclose every one of their investments. Just not the investment, but the carbon impact. I like this. And third, we use a metric called carbon count because if carbon counts and capital is scarce, we should be making the most impactful investments. And the way to do that is to measure uh, our carbon count for every investment. Okay. What I'm going to do is work with your company on this. I mean, right. our show's changed. What you said is really important. Climate change is the ultimate, ultimate thing that we face, and we have to win. And it's a great way to make money. Fair enough. That's uh, Jeff Eccles, Chairman, President, CEO of Hannon Armstrong, HASI, on because we recognize that this is an issue that the clock is ticking on. It's difficult. Look, consistently, I got one thing called from it. I am there for you, all right? These times, I am playing for you. Yes, these indeed are our Super Bowls, our World Series, and I want to deliver. And yes, I get up early and I work too late and all that other stuff my wife doing here. But for you, you get every bit of my knowledge. And I will be wrong sometimes, but when I get them right, you have to understand, I'm just trying to do my best for you. We always get through these together. Will this time be any different? We'll be fine. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm starting to find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Kramer. I'll see you Monday. CNBC Special Report Markets and Turmoil starts now. At Fidelity, online U.S. stock and ETF trades are commission-free. $0 commission for online retail Fidelity account U.S. equity and ETF trades. Sell order assessment fee and some account types and securities excluded. See Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE SIPC.